so good. It is good to see families back. It is good to see people visiting. Welcome, welcome. And uh, thank you. Thank you for coming and uh, taking your morning to spend worshiping with us. We're starting a brand new series. It's called Portraits of Jesus. Portraits of Jesus. And if you're wondering uh, about, you know, our great artwork of different artists, uh, two of them he, he actually on that, uh, on, on, our, uh, on our graphic from Redeemer. And this is why we are talking about Jesus. We're going to, at through, at the end of this series, we're going to have an art show. And uh, so if you're an artist, come talk to me. Go uh, just uh, put, you know, say, hey, I have some things I'd love to be able to show. Uh, and uh, we're going to see some of the artistic beauty in our, our service around on these walls at the last of this series. So let's, uh, let's buckle up and uh, enjoy our new series, Portraits of Jesus. Heavenly Father, I invite you to come and be our speaker, be our teacher. Come into our community and help heal. Help just people to meet you. Meet you. Oh, man, if they could just meet you. That's, it's, it, none of this matters. It's just about you. And so, Father, these good people have taken their time out of their week to gather, to be online, to, to be here for you. So we invite you to meet them in Jesus' holy, holy name. Amen. We're going to dive into the greatest mystery of the entire universe. It is bar none, the greatest mystery we are going to look at, and that is the life of Jesus. This subject isn't just to be studied. I don't want you to come away just with new knowledge. This subject of Jesus is to be experienced. That's why we talk a lot here at Church on the Rock about the adventure. Experience the adventure of knowing God, of walking with God. And we are basically, as a church, just adventure guides. We're going to go, hey, go climb that mountain because that's an amazing mountain. Go trek through this forest because that is a beautiful place. Just go and meet Jesus when, he, when you do, you get this eternal, eternal meaning in your life that outlasts anything you can do, real comfort in your darkest hours, and you can be the best you. I, I just, in, in discipleship groups, we keep on hearing people moving forward. Uh, just, uh, just last week, they're talking about, just there was t times of bitterness, but they're able to let that go under the power of God. And that just, that's supernatural. That is the adventure of knowing him. And so what we're going to do, we are going to take some time looking at the book of John, the first four chapters. I want to give you just a taste, enough of a taste that you go, oh, wow, this is good stuff. And so if you have not started to read the Bible, dig into it, look up in the index where, where, where John is, and start reading with us through this. If you don't have a Bible, we give them away free at the front. If you've fallen off the devotional wagon, you go, oh, I need a good excuse to get into God's word. This is a good excuse. Why don't you jump into the book of John with us? I hope you can, uh, as, as we look through the first four, four chapters, that will be a good springboard to getting you into the, the word of God. If you've been a Christian for a while, you know that the New Testament starts off with four books of the Bible. We call them the Gospels, uh, and, and they're all about Jesus. The first three are quite similar, and that's why, uh, you know, theologians call them synoptic Gospels. They're, they're, they're quite similar. If you're looking at a football game, if you're watching a football game this afternoon, they are all the stadium sort of uh, cameras where you, you pan back and you see all the plays. 
And then along came John, and, and the Holy Spirit spoke through John to not just do the stadium shots, but to go up and personal. And it's almost like a, <laughs> the book of John is the one-on-one interviews with the players and, and the things real close. So John gets real close and takes snapshots of who Jesus is in all kinds of different situations. I want you not only to fall in love with Jesus, I want you to fall in love with the Bible, God's truth. So we're going to dig in. We're going to start John chapter 1, verse 1, and we're going to sort of work our way. There's no way we're going to get through the whole first chapter, but we're going to give you a taste of it. John 1, 1, if you do have the Bible, you want to read along with us, especially at home, please open that up. John was a good Jewish boy. John was a good Jewish boy, and he knew the Torah. He knew the, the Old Testament. The, uh, the people of the Old Testament, the Jewish people, were called the people of the book because they loved the Bible. They loved the Old Testament. They, they, would, they would have these scrolls, and there was the, actually a celebration every year where they would take out the Torah scrolls, and they would dance with them, and as the, the music would play, and, and they'd be like, as, as if you're at a wedding dance, dancing around with scrolls of the Bible, and they'd be kissing them and saying, these are from God. That is how John grew up, knowing that this, this the, the Word of God is from God. As, uh, as the Mishnah, I, I, uh, Mishnah is, is like a, a commentary on the Old Testament, very ancient. Uh, I had to read it for one of my, uh, one of my studies, and uh, very detailed in a lot of the commentary on the Old Testament. But here's one part of the Mishnah that says this, he who says the Torah, that's the first uh, five books of the Bible, is not from heaven, is a heretic, a despiser of the word of God, and one who has no share in the world to come. So you can see that they're pretty, pretty pumped on the Old Testament. They are pretty focused on that Old Testament. And you know the first book of the Bible, Genesis, you know how it starts. You know how it starts. It starts like this. In the beginning, God. That's how it starts. In the beginning, God. You could, I, I'm, I'm sure most of you could tell me that. In the beginning, God. So imagine this. You're John, you're a fisherman. You, you've, you've walked with Jesus. You've, you, you've ate fish with the guy. You joked around. And then you saw who he was. And so now the spirit wells up in you that you are to write a book about Jesus. So you know how you start this book? It's not like uh, in Bethlehem he was born, you know, Mary and Joseph. This is how he starts This is later in his life, after the other three books have been written. I think he wants us to zero in and not miss this point. And so this is what he says. This is how the book of John starts. In the beginning. (laughs) Like, he's rewriting the Bible. (laughs) Like, he must have known this. What the Spirit is speaking through him is, is epic because this that the Torah scrolls, in the beginning, God, now he is writing. In the beginning was the word. We're going we're gonna to dig into that, what that means. And the word was with God, and the word was God. <laughs> okay, he was with God, was God. And here we get the first taste of what the uh, theologians call the Trinity in the Bible. People who love to, to debate will say the word Trinity is never in the Bible. It's true. That word Trinity is not in the Bible. It get, you know, it's something that we, we've had to, to try and put words to 
that the, the ideas are there. In fact, this passage just started to describe what there wasn't a word for. It's just trying to describe it. The Jewish religion, our faith, which, which springs from the Jewish religion, is monotheistic. There is only one God. It's Deuteronomy 6.4. says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is not like the Hindus who have many gods or the Mormons where you can become a god. This is not like the universe that is God. With that, that, that those are pantheists and what our culture is p- pushing on us. That somehow the creation itself is God. You know, there is only one God. And so John knew this. He knew this, and he believed it to the bottom of his soul. There is only one God. But it's like now he takes a, micro, like a, like a microscope, like an electron microscope, and he, and, he, and he thin slices and thin slices, and he goes down to look at who God is. And, and he discovers through the Holy Spirit that there is one God, but there was the Word part of God, and he was with God. You'd expect God to be complex, wouldn't you? You would expect God to be beyond human description. And so when people say, that doesn't make sense, of course it doesn't make sense. We believe that God is, has three persons, and yet there is only one God. It would be like, uh, I remember growing up in science, saying the atom is the smallest piece of matter. And, 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 you know, you, you, des- you describe different atoms in the periodic table. You, you remember that, different valences and all that, right? And as they started to try and understand the atom, they discovered the smallest piece, the singular piece of the atom, is actually made up of three pieces of electron, neutron, and proton. And, and, and somehow, it's, it's a bad illustration, but somehow John thin slices and says, listen, God, the one God of the universe is made up of the Word who was with God, but also was God, was God. Interesting, as, as I tore into the Hebrew of this, the word with God actually is about a relationship. It's not about pro- proximity. It's not like I'm beside somebody, I'm with them, but I'm with them. It's like uh, there's this couple that comes into the party, and they go, wow, who's she with? Oh, they're together, okay? They're in relationship. And so this is exactly what this is saying. The word was with God. The, the word was in relationship, but the word was also God. Why did John start this way? Why didn't he start with Mary, Joseph, and Bethlehem, and uh, the innkeeper, and all the things that we're going to hit in Christmas time? Why didn't he do all that? I think he wanted to leave no doubt he is most likely 90 years old. He's most likely seeing the whole Christian church growing and expanding around the Roman Empire. And he wanted to make sure they didn't get this one part wrong. They had to get this part right. That Jesus is almighty God. <laughs> he didn't want to leave that as a, as a guessing game. That Jesus is almighty God. The secular world will say the Trinity was an idea that developed over generations by word of mouth. No, it was written in, in the uh, lifetime of eyewitnesses. John, who got to eat fish with Jesus, tells us he is God. Jesus is ontologically holy in his being. God, God, God. He is all of God. He's not the best example of God. 
He's not a good idea about God. He is not something that, that, that shows us what a, a human who lives a God consciousness is like. By the way, those are all written things, and those are things that I've heard from other churches preaching. No, God, Jesus is, in all his being, God. <laughs> I think I've sort of hit that one enough. What do you think? Yeah, okay. And why the word? Why did he call him the word? That Jesus wrote this biography uh, talking about the pre-existent Jesus before Jesus was given the name Jesus. As, as, as Jesus was on the earth, he said, before Abraham and Isaac, before those people, I am, I was, I was alive, I was in existence before Abraham. So before the angel came to Mary and Joseph and says, I want you to call him Jesus, before he was named Jesus, he was existing before that. And so John's picking out a word that would give Jesus a name before he was named, he was called the Word, the Word. Again, why the Word? Because we communicate through, through words. And so God wanted to reveal himself through Jesus. He's re revealed himself through the Bible, written words, through spoken words, through the prophets. It says now in John chapter 1, verse 14, now, now, now the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God showed up on the planet as a human. And not only that, not to visit, he actually lived among us. God himself communicated face to face. God himself touched leprous people. God himself, his voice spoke out, come out of that grave, Lazarus. It, it, this is not a holy person that went away and, and, and thought about God's thoughts or thought he, he ran into an angel or something that told him things. And this is what somebody else told me about God. No, this is God himself showing up on the planet. The Jewish people in the Old Testament, God's word was the active part of God. It was like an activator part of God. It's Psalm 33, verse 6. And by the word of the Lord, the heavens were, were made. By God's word, the heavens were made. So that's the active part of God. Psalm 107, 20. He, he sent out his word and healed them. And he rescued them from the grave. And you can almost see a little messianic uh, kind of psalms coming up here saying, the word came and did these things just because God spoke it. He communicated. And so God communicates. He actually shows up. So the word of God is active, living communication. To the Greek, the logos or, or word was, was a bridge between God and humans. And so in this perfect word, John was able to reach both the Jewish audience and the Greek audience. So God came to earth. This is what the incarnation is all about. So it begs the question, why did God come to earth? <laughs> Wasn't it good enough? Wasn't it good enough that he went and sent, you know, uh, prophets? Wasn't it good enough that he spoke through uh, authors to write the Bible? Wasn't it good enough? And again, we look back to John chapter 1. John 1, 3 to 4, it says this, Through him, that is the word, Jesus, all things were made. All things. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. He, he has to say it twice, just in case you say, well, there's this one exception, right? No. There is no exceptions. We're, we're going to get to find out how cool that is, because it says, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. In other words, in other words, 
Jesus didn't just speak life into being. Jesus is buzzing with life. He's alive with life. Life is, is, is him. And so he goes, live. And, and just because of who he is, life comes. That's cool. That's my Jesus. And my Jesus lived on this earth. And he goes and he talks about life to people. And Lazarus comes up. Boom. Wow. Like people didn't know who was in their presence. Life itself. In him was life. In him was life. Jesus created every living thing. And as one writer said, the builder of the house is greater than the house. So Jesus was greater than the entire universe because he spoke it into being. In him was life. In him was life. The word, a.k.a. pre-Christmas Jesus, is buzzing with life, the generator of life, the touch point of all life. Now, this is really cool because now when, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, what does he do? He, he makes us alive in him. He gives us new life. In fact, in chapter 3, we're going to find out it's being called born again. It's like you're you dead, spiritually dead. And now because Jesus is generator of life, buzzing with life, he's going to give you new life in him. This is not about me being good. This is not about me loving my neighbor enough. This is not about giving, going to church, or if my parents did. It has nothing to do with this. It's a supernatural event when you come face to face with Jesus. You surrender your life to him, and life comes and touches you, and you step from darkness to life, and it is a supernatural thing that goes on. I'm pretty pumped about that. Sorry. <laughs> I am so pumped about that. It's interesting as a biology student. I remember in high school, a, uh, my teacher brought, brought in a bird, and, and she said, is, is the bird dead or alive? I said, well, you're holding the thing. It's dead. <laughs> and she said, what's the difference between death and life? What, what, what is... What is life? Well, well, it's movement. There's some things that are alive that don't move. Yeah. Uh, it grows, yeah, often. But things that are alive don't grow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She kept on plugging us like this. And she was digging down in a secular high school to be able to say, life itself is mysterious. Out of all the evolutionists that I've sat under, it's interesting. We as Christians believe, of course, that there is a, a kind of evolution that, you know, we've all come from a certain ancestor and we've, we've changed. Uh, but they keep on going back and this came from this and this came from this, this came from this, and then they stop at life because no one knows how life got started on this planet. No one. I, I, I'm not talking about Christians. I'm talking about atheist materialists. Let me read to you a couple quotes from them. This is from Michael Denton. He is not a Christian. He is an evolutionist, but this is what he wrote in his book called Evolution, A Theory and Crisis. <laughs> so it tells you where it's going, right? The complexity of the simplest known type of cell is so great that it is impossible to accept that such an object could have been thrown together suddenly by some kind of freakish, vastly improbable event. 
Such an occurrence would be indistinguishable from a miracle. And I want to say, open your eyes, Michael. It is a miracle. Life is a miracle. And it comes from the hand of Jesus. Oh, man, you're so close, Michael. <laughs> so close. How about this other guy? There's another guy, Paul Davies. He is not a Christian. In fact, you know how he thinks life got here on the planet? He said it must have come from outer space. That's scientific. It must have come from outer space. But it doesn't answer the question because that where did life come from in outer space? Right? It just pushes off the answer. It doesn't answer the question. In his book called The Fifth Miracle... The search for origin and meaning of life, he said, many investigators feel uneasy stating in public that the origin of life is a mystery. Even though behind closed doors they admit it and they're baffled. They're baffled. And John starts off, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God in relationship. The Word was God. And in him is life itself. Simplifies a lot of things, doesn't it? It's a mystery. But we have a name to the mystery. Jesus is the initiator of all life because life originates in Jesus. As one writer says, there are no exceptions. Every living thing is because of Jesus. He is the source of all life. And that speaks to the things that are going on in our culture, in our world, doesn't it? I'll just leave it there. I'll let you figure that one out. About how precious life is. So when we come to Christ in faith, we surrender our lives to him. Now Jesus is the author of new life, of new life. Jesus came to earth to recreate life. I am a new creation. He reaches down and touches my soul and breathes life into me. Being a Christian is not good. It's not liking church. It's not trying really hard. It is a supernatural event where you surrender your life to him in faith. I believe it prostitutes the supernatural work of God to say that we work our way into new life. And I will have no part of it. God has no part of it. If you think you've helped enough people that God will somehow smile down on you, we're all sadly mistaken. And now, in the midst of this, of new life, John the Baptist shows up in the middle of the story. You go, what are you thinking, John? Like, why, why does John the Baptist show up at verse 6? We started with the universe, and we're thinking about science and creation. John the Baptist shows up. John the Baptist, John chapter 1, verse 6. There's a man, a man, not God, okay? He's, he's making this sure. There's a man sent from God, okay? He's a prophet whose name was John. And he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, that light. In other words, he was given a message from God so that, okay, what, what's the big thing? John, you're the last Old Testament prophet. What are you going to tell us? So that through him, all might believe. Isn't that awesome? I could, I could hang there for like an hour. Through him. Guess what? He's still doing that. Through us. Through you and me. God is still speaking his word as a witness. I, 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 
Jesus touched my life. He changed me. I'm a witness to that. And guess what? I'm gonna, I want to tell you why. Because not some will believe the good people. No, anybody. Anybody's going to get it. Come on. Just got to believe this. And that is why all of a sudden John slips that in because he's saying, listen, God shows up on planet. And now, why? So we could believe. In fact, he, he sent a prophet ahead of them to say, you just got to believe. You just got to believe. Faith in the Bible is actually a, a, a good word to substitute or to, to color the word faith is trust. Is trust. I'm going to trust my life to him. I'm going to trust my eternity to God. I'm going to make, make sure that, that all my trust for whatever comes next is on him. This is why God, John wrote the whole book. He was like totally honest. It's not like a bait and switch saying, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Ha, I believe. <laughs> In fact, fact, one of the verses says this in John 20. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. I'd like to know some of those. Wouldn't you? Like, oh, man, they only got the highlight reel. But these were written. Why did you write this, John? That you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life, there it is again, in his name. The greatest gift of all times. And yet, as John unfolds, we have this greatest tragedy that starts to come in John 1. John 1, 9 to 11. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And that is like people should be blowing trumpets, you know, setting off fireworks. God has showed up. He was in the world. And though the world was made by him, here's the tragedy. The world did not recognize him. They didn't get it. And he came to that which was his own, in fact, his own people, the Jewish people, who prophecies were written about him. They know the character of God, so the character of Jesus should have just shone this out. He came to that which was his own, but they did not receive him. How did they? They did not receive him as God in their midst, his own people. His own people. This is almost a summary of what's coming up through the whole book. God is here, but people are rejecting him. You're going to find this again and again through the book of John if you continue reading the whole thing. God is here, but guess what? People reject him again and again. Okay, so this is actually a tragedy. The whole book of John is a tragedy. No, 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 no. There's this ray of hope. There's these little rays of hope that come through. And here's the ray of hope. It's, It's this in John chapter 1 verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him... As God, I might add, you are my God, you are my Lord. All who received him as, I'm putting that in myself, as God. To those who believed in his name, we're going to figure out what that means. Again, it's about faith. He gave the right to become children of God. You are now my child. We hear out in culture, we're all children of God. We're We're all creatures of God. We're all made in his image, and we honor every person alive. No matter what they look like, no matter what they believe, we honor them because they are made in the image of God. But Jesus opens up an opportunity to become related. In, he was, was God, was with God. It's about that relationship. He's opening up this possibility of a relationship to those who receive him as God 
in my mind that, Lord, you're my Lord, you're my God. Believe in his name, you're my Savior. It's my Lord and Savior. Lord and Savior. The way is narrow because it says in here a lot of people reject him. Few find it, Jesus said. But that doesn't mean that we try and tell everybody about it. I believe there's always a remnant all through history of people who know and walk with God. Beautiful thing is life is not new. Life is not forced on any believer. You must re- actually receive it. Not from your family. Not from your family. In fact, you can be born in a Christian family. It does you no good whatsoever. People come to Christ one by one. So the last part is believing in his name. What does that mean, to believe in his name? Well, Jesus literally means Savior. So that gives you a clue. (laughs) I'm going to believe that he's my Savior, that he's the one that's going to take away my sin. He's the one that's going to make me right with with God himself. It's like that kind of, that's his name. But also a name is inexplicably bound up with a person. That The name of the person reveals something about who they are. This is very Old Testament, ancient ancient uh, idea that when, when Moses says, tell me your name by the burning bush, God says, he, he's basically saying, tell me who you are, what you're like, tell me, tell me all about you. And God so gives him his name. He says, I am. And, and there is nothing else that can describe God. So I am the only one that can describe myself. I am. I am. And so Moses gets an idea of who God is. And so basically... To believe in God, this is uh, what one of my commentators said, to believe in Jesus implies the acceptance of Jesus to the full extent of a self-revelation. In other words, I'm going to believe in your name so you're my Savior. I'm going to believe that you came as God so you're my Lord. And so whatever you say goes, Jesus, you're you're it. I'm going to come and surrender my life under you. So whatever you say, I'm it. I'm in. I'm just in. I'm going to deny myself. Pick up my cross daily and follow you. Because you're it. I'm going to believe in your name. I'm all in. So whatever you tell me, I'm in. So when Jesus says the scriptures are God's word, awesome. I'm in. Because you tell me they're God's word, I'm in. Whatever they say is it. I'm in. And, and, And these disciples... Although their belief in Jesus was remained embryonic until his death or resurrection, soon Jesus would show him what it means that he would be their savior. And so in John 1, chapter 14, it says, The word became flesh and made its dwelling among us, and made its dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son. One and only son means that he is unique about from anybody and everyone else. He's just totally unique. The, the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. John saw Jesus glorified on the mountain. There was a, a mount what, that, that we call a mount of transfiguration where Jesus gives a little sneak peek, you know, like a little preview, like a trailer of a movie coming up. This is what I'm going to be like in heaven. Oh, you know. <laughs> and they see him. So he, they, they got to see the glory of, of Jesus. No wonder John's saying, he's God. I got to see what he's going to be like in heaven. 
like, duh, I've seen this. <laughs> We've seen his glory. The glory of the one, the only son, came from the father. And then he describes what's, what he's like. He's full of power and judgment. <laughs> he's full of, yeah, all kinds of things. But this is what he describes him as. Grace and truth. Grace relates to the Hebrew, chesed, which is this faithful love, this gracious love, this forgiving, not holding on to grudges. This, the grace that we've all tested him, including me again and again. And yet Jesus is faithful, continues to give us grace upon grace upon grace. And if nothing else, that's why we become gracious Christians, forgiving Christians, because God showed up on planet full of grace. But he was also full of truth. He isn't a pushover. He's not, oh, I'll let you do whatever you want kind of grace. He's also full of truth. Say that there is right and wrong, black and white. There is no, no middle ground on many things. So you hear the woman caught in adultery. Like that was a big deal. She was, wasn't just like fooling around. She's married. That's why it's called adultery. She's married and she's fooling around on her husband. They caught her, which was just, I think that they set it up, which is, don't think about it, that just seems weird. Somehow they, they set it up, threw, him down, threw her down, ready to, ready to stone her. And, and of course, they know Jesus is full of grace, so he's not going to judge her. So they just, just, you know, waiting, right? So Jesus offers grace. No one here will judge you, although I have the, the power to do I'm not going to do that any, myself. And then he says the, the part where, where we don't say anymore, right? <laughs> Go and sin no more. In other words, stop sinning. <laughs> Because he's full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. To sum up, before the time began, Jesus was in a loving, eternal relationship with the Father. And he is God Almighty. He is the origin and buzzing with life. And now he offers new life for anyone who surrenders their life to him. It's a miraculous, supernatural creation. And this happens when we have faith in him, when we trust in him with our life, our future, and we believe that he is God Almighty, our Savior and Lord. Most people won't get it. Many people will mock us for it. And it's frustrating, and you'll see the frustration through the book of John. But it also drives us to our knees to worship him the one who we will be worshiping for eternity. Jesus is God. And that just changes everything. I'm going to invite our worship team to come on up. As we think on that, what can you take with you? I think as we sing our worship songs, can we again 
not just sing with our hearts, but our minds too. Activate your minds that you are singing to the author of your life, to the author of life itself as you worship. And if God has tapped you on the shoulder to say, I'm not sure that I've actually surrendered my life to him. I'm not sure if I've just trusted because I grew up in a Christian home that I'm in. You need to surrender your life now. You do. The time is short. Moments slip into years that slip into eternity. So I'm going to pray for us to worship him. I'm also going to pray and offer up a prayer for those of you who are on the way to God who could surrender your life to him and be supernaturally recreated. Let's do that together. Heavenly Father, Oh, you are so good that you wanted to communicate with us, so you sent part of yourself, Jesus, the person of God, here on this planet, so we could know you, but also that we could be saved from our sins. God, that we could have new life as Jesus himself speaks new life over us. Lord, help us to worship you today. God, let us worship you from our guts, God. And Lord, oh, there's some people here that are tottering on that that, that knife edge either way. God, draw them into your family. Help them to pray with their hearts. Pray along with me. God, God, I want you. I want new life. You have my life. I surrender my life to you. You have it. I can't do this on my own. I trust in you. You're my Savior. You're my God. Whatever you say, I will do. Wherever you lead, I will go. I'm in. I'm yours, God. Thank you for hearing every single prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.